Welcome to the Citizens Report for the 25th of June 2021. I'm Elisa Barwick. Joining me today is Citizens Party leader Craig Isherwood. Welcome, Craig. Yeah, thanks, Elisa. And on today's show, bank predators handed another defeat and senators call to kill the sacred cow. Now, just a reminder to like this video, hit the thumbs up button subscribe and hit the notifications bell so that you're notified when the new shows come out and also don't forget to share this show with your friends so that it has the broadest possible circulation. So on to our first topic today. Bank predators handed another defeat. This is actually a really critical victory in our ongoing campaign to pull the banks into line and begin to have government taking the responsibility they must take uh, to protect people from the banking predators, Craig. Which is what we th went through last week's show, and I was pretty heavy on them, what the Ms Morrison government represents, Elisa. And it sounds like, must have listened, because Channel 31's continuing, and yeah. uh, and now the, this, uh, you know, the responsible lending laws aren't being changed. Yes, no. So we're referring to um, the ongoing effort for some time to scrap the responsible lending laws which were designed to rein in the banks from liar loans and lending to people who couldn't afford to pay it back and everything else that was revealed during the Royal Commission. And that legislation to amend those responsible lending laws is called the National Consumer Credit Protection Amendment Supporting Economic Recovery Bill. And that supporting economic recovery is actually the key part because it's actually about reinflating the housing bubble, not mm -hmm. economic recovery, sounds, but what they good. call economic recovery. It sounds good and something that Josh Trodenberg, the Treasurer, can sprout off and say, look what we're doing for the economy and so forth. But it actually, it had these provisions for getting rid of the responsible lending laws and opening it up for the predatory banks, but mm. that's all been stopped. Yeah, no, because on the 23rd on Wednesday, uh, the Greens put up a motion to discharge this bill from the notice paper. In other words, take it off the legislative agenda altogether. Now, um, that motion didn't actually pass, funnily enough, although we still have a victory here and we'll explain why. The vote was actually tied. They had a division in the House. Um, it was a tied vote as a result, 27 votes to 27, because Pauline Hanson didn't vote for that motion. But the reason she didn't vote for it is because she wanted to bring the entire bill forward to a vote with her amendment taking out that whole part referencing the changes to responsible uh, lending. So this actually was very effective because... What it means, given that she has the support for her amendments from the Greens, the Labor Party and the crossbenchers, is that if, it, if this bill comes up for a vote, her amendment will pass and they can get their bill through, but it will not have that responsible lending uh, section in it at uh, all. And I believe it's got some sections that Pauline Hanson wants to put in support relating to payday loans and stuff like that. Yeah. So there isn't you know, so Some useful elements. stuff Use in, yeah. in there. Um, so what we'll do, I'm just going to run the clip here of uh, the motion being put forward so you can hear what Pauline Hanson had to say in her own words about it. Senator McKim, your motion number 1141. 
Thank you, President. I ask that General Business Notice of Motion Number 1141 be taken as a formal motion. Is there any objection to this motion being taken as formal? There being none, Senator McKim. Thank you, President. I move the motion. The question is that motion be agreed to. Senator Hanson, were you seeking the call? Make a short statement. Leave is granted for one minute. Right, thank you. I want to make it clear that One Nation is 100 per cent opposed to the changes to the responsible lending laws proposed in the National Consumer Credit Protection Bill, and I am on the public record in that regard. One Nation has made it clear to the Greens that we had forwarded instructions and, in fact, have now received the first extensive draft amendments which delete any reference in the bill excluding banks from their current statutory or regulatory obligations. We do recognise there are other provisions of the bill which we, in part, also have proposed to amend to enhance the protection for consumers. One Nation has advised the Greens accordingly and requested it defer this notice pending the circulation of our draft amendments to the bill. For the above reasons, One Nation will not support this motion. The question is the motion moved by Senator McKim be agreed to. Those of that opinion say aye. aye. The contrary, no. Aye. The noes have it. Division required. Ring the bells for one minute. And Green Senator Nick McKim, who put forward that motion the previous day in the Senate, had put out a really good statement slamming government policies that have made housing grow at nearly twice, twice the rate of wages. He said the system is designed to make homes more expensive to benefit Morrison & Co's speculator mates. Um, and this intersects a debate that we've been um, talking about for a while now, where McKim, uh, Senator Jared Rennick from the LNP and One Nation's Malcolm Roberts have been interrogating the Reserve Bank who claim you know, that uh, having rising house prices isn't all bad because of the overall wealth effect. And you can see this reflected in a headline today or yesterday from the AFR hot property market makes us richer than ever. Really? Because suddenly mean, we're all millionaires. We've oh, got a million and a half but fixed, worth house. Yeah, they're fixed assets though, Alyssa. In order to be able to realise anything from you have to go into debt. And the biggest problem, as Martin North says from Digital Finance and Economics, is look at the massive increase and rise in the household uh, debt. It's now 212%, mm. right? And people can read about that in our Australian Alert Service publication. They can get a copy. And if you want to know more, you can subscribe to it. Uh, into, for the future. But we go through in this and re repeat what, uh, in a sense, Martin said, that this is not wealth, this yeah. is debt. And, and at some point, you know, with, because the banks are so, in, you know, uh, so exposed to the housing market, they're going to promote the idea of people taking out equity loans against their house and so forth. Mm. It's all going to get paid back over time. That's right. That's and it's built on. on fictitious values that could evaporate just like that. Um, so, yeah, and the other thing Martin points out, of course, is that there's over one and a half million people in mortgage stress, and that's half a million more people than at the time that the Royal Commission report came out. And that report came out at the very beginning, February 1st, 2019. And I just want to recap what 2019 looked like because of um, certain changes that the government had to begin to push. Uh, such as further deregulation and scrapping these responsible lending laws because the housing bubble was bursting. And at the beginning of 2019, we had warnings even from the International Monetary Fund that Australia's mm. banks could go under if this housing bubble were to burst. And through the course of the ensuing months of 2019, you had a massive increase in vacancy rates, collapse of building approvals, you had construction companies collapsing, auctions being pulled, housing credit collapsing, an increase in defaults, 
Uh, a lot of uh, homeowners going into negative equity, so if they sold, they wouldn't cash out with anything. They'd be in debt. You had interest-only terms expiring, and people suddenly who'd been rolling over to a new interest-only term being told, can't do that anymore, got to pay principal as well. Some banks were demanding up to 30% for a deposit. So, you know, you had a real crunch point, and the government began to make interventions. I mean, you might remember, and we reported all this at the time, Assistant Treasury Michael Sooker in July, urging people, begging people to grab a bargain in the housing market. In October, when he was in the United States, Morrison was begging banks to lend, 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 and those comments were backed up at the same time by Frydenberg. Um, in the middle of that year, in July, the government announced a deregulation task force was being set up under what's known as the government's deregulation agenda. So that was middle of the year, July. In September, Frydenberg announced he would move to wind back the responsible lending laws. Then in October, he launched uh, the actual launch of this deregulation task force. Later that month, <clears throat> at the end of October 2020, um, Shipton and his deputy Crennan in, the, in ASIC, where both um, the process began to oust both of them the same day Christine Holgate was thrown under the bus. And you can read an update in the Australian Alert Service about the Shipton case, and you'll see a lot of quotes where you see how intent he was um, to just follow the rules that had been imposed since the Royal Commission and actually pursue criminal charges against bankers and so forth. And also the contrast to Morrison with his caveat emptor, let the buyer beware strategy was stark where he said, look, every cent in the financial system is other people's money. And we bankers have to be very, very conscious of that, that this could have catastrophic effects for everyday people um, if you know we don't take it seriously. Crennan, you can see this headline in Sydney Morning Herald, said we should be feared, the regulators should be feared. And then when um, these guys were replaced, Shannon, um, Crennan and Shipton, you'll see another headline here uh, where um, the articles talked about how Shipton and co were replaced by business-friendly regulators, which Frydenberg had craved for. Mm -hmm. But Craig, this is all a part of a massive looting operation where you know, as Christine Holgate got in the way of a $75 trillion privatisation agenda, this reflects what we've just discussed, the deregulation agenda. The governments can't loot to prop up these bubbles without that. That's right. I mean, this is why we go back to this question of Glass-Steagall. Proper re-regulation of the banking system, we separate out the retail banking system from the speculative side of the banking system. That's not even in the... At the present time, that's not thought about by Treasury because they're trying to prop up a fundamentally speculative system. Shipton wasn't necessarily a great guy. We don't know him. He, he was something we'd come across. He, he just barely put his toe in the water in terms of, no, let's protect the depositors, let's protect the borrowers and so forth. And he got replaced real quick with the Christine Holgate. Mm. This is the nature of the Norrison government. Mm. They don't care about ordinary people. They're only concerned about two things, power and protecting the banks. Yeah. It's the bankers' party... And that's why, you know, we've had some wins in terms of the responsible lending laws. There's a lot more to be done about this. We need national banking. We need a Commonwealth yeah. National Credit Bank. We need the Australia Post Bank system in order to be able to provide the protections that ordinary people need. Yep. And I want to get into our latest campaign again for the Postal Bank, that being said. But just with a bit of the background globally, uh, because... People might be aware there's been numerous warnings recently. I mean, the Federal um, 
Market Committee of the US Federal Reserve just had their meeting and just because of the slightest indications that they might have to raise interest rates or wind mm. back QE a bit sooner than expected, all hell was breaking loose and people were totally petrified. Michael Burry, who of course came to fame during the last global financial crisis for correctly forecasting the um, collapse of the mortgage-backed securities bubble and of course was um, depicted in the, the big short movie, uh, he put out a tweet or two tweets saying the greatest speculative bubble of all time in all things is about to go by two orders of magnitude, um, the biggest bubble. And then he later said, uh, Main Street losses will approach the size of countries after the retail speculators have been sucked in through crypto and so-called meme stocks, which have gone viral on the internet. Um, Bloomberg Economics put out a warning about real estate prices around the world flashing the kind of bubble warnings that haven't been seen since the run-up to the 2008 financial crisis and they talked about the fact that this time it's basically the whole world because remember there are a number of countries like Australia whose housing bubble you know, main, was maintained during that crash but this time the whole thing's up for grabs. So what we're doing to... Um, promote the solutions to this is because one of the key things to rein our banks into line is to have, like we had when we had the old Commonwealth Bank being government controlled, is that you can actually force the other banks to come into line um, and to do responsible lending and other things of that kind. So if we were to set up a postal bank, that would be a major initiative in that direction. And we've put out a draft resolution, which we've mentioned in the last couple of weeks, which we want supporters to take to their local councils and any organisation that could vote on this and pass it and send it to the members of parliament, federal and state, to put a lot of pressure from the bottom up onto these politicians. Mm -hmm. So this resolution, you can find it on our website, discusses the fact that you've got all these branch bank branch closures across the country, more than 60% collapse. Um, a lot of the population, such as elderly, disabled, depend upon having some local banking facility. Access to cash is a huge issue, which sometimes is only through the local post office. Bank at post is vulnerable to commercial decision making. So, you know, you can't, um, uh, you know, leave that up to chance. Um, and it calls on the Commonwealth Parliament to pass our Commonwealth Postal Savings Bank bill to establish a full post office bank. Yeah, if people can get a copy of that or click on the link below this YouTube video in the comment section uh, and uh, find yep. it. Lisa. And to give you the update on that and what came out of the committee's inquiry on that, I want to play the latest ad that we've just issued on YouTube. The final report of the Senate inquiry into Australia Post and the unjust dismissal of Christine Holgate is a huge win for the Australian people. The Senate report exposed the secret Morrison government agenda to carve up and sell off pieces of Australia Post and has consequently derailed the privatisation plot. We now have a unique opportunity in history to create a new postal bank for the nation. I'm Robert Barwick of the Australian Citizens Party. The final report of the Senate inquiry echoes many of the demands the Citizens Party had made in the months prior to the Senate committee investigation. As we demanded, the Senate report calls for the Australia Post board to apologise to Ms Holgate. The Senate committee echoes our calls for the resignation of the chairman of Australia Post. As the Citizens Party had suggested, the Senate report calls for restructuring the board of Australia Post to make it more representative and not just stacked with party hacks. 
We were very pleased to see the Senate committee call for the immediate release of the secret Boston Consulting Group report on privatization. But the most important one of all is Recommendation 14, which calls for requiring authorised deposit-taking institutions, ADIs, to allow Australia Post to process basic banking transactions for their customers as a condition of their licence, and that fees be levied on ADIs that are sufficient to cover the cost to post offices of providing this service. Why is this so important, and what does it really mean? This recommendation implicitly endorses the Bank at Post deal spearheaded by Christine Holgate and in effect calls for it to be made permanent. It was the 2018 Bank at Post deal that got three of the four big banks and 70 smaller banks to reimburse Australia Post for services provided to the bank's customers. It was this deal that restored the family-owned private licensed post offices, LPOs, to viability. But it also ruffled feathers in powerful banking circles. Three of the big four signed the deal reluctantly and likely only because they feared Christine Holgate might otherwise turn Australia Post into a bank that would break their monopoly. The Citizens Party and others have questioned whether the banks had a hand in targeting Christine Holgate for dismissal. In an amazing turnaround, the Senate report recommends that all banks now be required to allow Australia Post as a condition of their licence to process banking transactions for them and that they be required to reimburse Australia Post for doing so. This recommendation and the scathing Senate report more broadly has created a new political environment in which it is possible to go to the next step and create a national postal bank. The Citizens Party has drafted legislation to create a Commonwealth Postal Savings Bank. Many governments around the world license their post offices to carry out banking transactions. Some of the most successful, like Japan Post, made their postal system into a full-fledged savings bank. A Commonwealth Postal Savings Bank would have many benefits. It would end the destructive banking monopoly of the big four, provide a safe place for deposits, offer convenient services to rural communities, and contribute to Australian national economic development. Please sign our petition calling for a national savings bank. We must strike while the iron is hot and take advantage of this important moment in history. The privatisers and big four banking circles are off balance and exposed. Help us take advantage of this unique opportunity. Please sign our petition and join the fight. Now, also as an update on this story, um, Craig, Four Corners will run their long-awaited story on Australia Post and the Christine Holgate saga on Monday night. So tune in and I'm just going to play you the promo coming up. They got watches, a Cartier watch, value of $3,000 each. You don't think though that that's out of whack with community expectations? They are actually rewarded very fairly. This was not consistent with public expectations about how taxpayers' money should be spent. Behind the turmoil at Australia Post. She didn't play the politics well. There'll be no change to the ownership of Australia Post. They'd sell their bloody mother if they could. Four Corners, Monday, ABC TV or streaming on iview. Now on to our next topic, Senator's Call to Kill the Sacred Cow. Now we're discussing superannuation and 
uh, LNP Senator Jared Rennick's speech on the 16th of June regarding the government's amendments to superannuation, which legislation passed last week. Uh, it's claimed that it will reduce fees by keeping uh, a single account if you change jobs and so on and so forth. And we're still looking at this and the fine details of this more. But um, Rennick actually said, this is his own party's legislation, by the way, he said this is lipstick on a pig and he didn't have much good to say about it. But he said instead of reforming super, scrap it and create a proper age pension. And he went through how it's a rort because you have these $40 billion tax breaks um, for super so that Australians could uh, invest their super overseas. Overseas companies can invest their super here. So he said, scrap that and use that $40 billion tax break to fund the pension instead. So yeah. I want to go straight to his clip and then we'll come back and talk about it. And then on top of that, you've got another $40 billion in fees shuffling around with all these different rules, stapling and benchmarking and you know paperwork doing this, paperwork doing that. We've become a nation of paper shufflers and instead of focusing on asset creation, We've now got everyone trading assets and liabilities instead of actually producing goods and services. So that's all gone offshore. And we've just driven up the price of assets through superannuation. I mean, there's that much money in super now. There's $3 trillion in super. That's more than what the stock market's worth. It's 600 billion of it's had to go offshore. 600 billion of it's had to go offshore. And of course, to make these things look better than they really are, there's this bit of a deal going around with all the investment funds in the world that if you invest in another country, you don't have to pay tax. We've got a classic one here, Section 855 of the 97 Act, that basically says if you're a foreigner and you invest in non-real assets, right, you own less than 10 per cent of it, you don't have to pay capital gains tax on it. Right? Now, that's, an, that's to appease. We have inve foreign investment funds vest here, invest here. Uh, you know, our funds vest offshore, and they, uh, offshore. They all give each other tax breaks. And, that, and then basically you've got base erosion profit shifting, where all the wealthy fund managers make all the money, pay themselves bonuses because they don't have to pay tax, and the worker is the one who has to pay for it. The worker is the one that has to pay for it. And this is the sad reality. The number of people that are still on the full pension has not moved since 1992, and the number of people on the part pension has reduced from about 28 per cent to 22 per cent. But about 4 per cent of that was when they changed the pension thresholds back in 2017. So all of this paper shuffling, all of these tax concessions achieves nothing. Right now, we could be in here talking about an infrastructure bank and build, you know, doing something around finance and fixing up monetary policy in this country. But no, 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 no. We're talking about the superannuation that only looks after the rivers of gold for both the union funds and the banks. Another point of note here is Labor always go that you know, superannuation is going to guarantee, and Senator Watt did it this afternoon, a, a, a decent retirement. It is not going to guarantee a decent retirement for low-income earners. The only thing that can do that is a universal pension that doesn't discriminate on the income that you earned throughout your life. Okay? This pension is paid to you, and it's only means-tested on your income once you retire. And, you know, if we want to talk about equality in this country, why should someone who busted their guts whether they are a cleaner and all these people, I can tell you, the higher up the ladder you go, the easier it gets. It's the people on the low incomes, I'm telling you now, who work the hardest in this country. They'll probably drive further to work every day to get there, back again. You know, if they get a flat tyre and they've got to pay 400 bucks for a tyre, I'm telling you, that'll hurt their budget a lot. That'll hurt their budget a lot. 
So, you know, if you want to get serious about protecting the battlers in this country, it is time to kill superannuation stone cold dead. Thank you. So listening to that, Craig, I thought yeah. he sounded more like an old Labor politician, well, certainly more than the ALP do these days. Well, you've got to remember that superannuation was uh, Paul Keating's baby. You know, oh. He created it with the idea of protecting people's you know, retirement and so forth. But the reality is it's a lie. It was designed to establish a financial industry. And moreover, from what I've been seeing, it's impossible nearly for people my age to be able to retire on superannuation anyway because we haven't had enough of it. And the point is, it was to de deregulate the entire financial system and actually stop people taking, or the government taking an active role in supporting people yeah. in old age. Mm. Right, so it was small government. It was all these reforms that came in under Keating and others and, and, and the Liberal Party in order to reduce the role of government and put it and throw it more into a deregulated, yeah. privatised system mm -hmm. for the purposes of the large multinational yeah, corporations. Yeah, for the purposes of siphoning money out of people's pay packets, which they have no choice in, as Rennick made clear. Yep. You know, they don't get to choose, but this money's coming out of their pay packet every week, going into the financial bubble because that's all they got, these financial it's bubbles. A bubble. It's a housing bubble. It's a stock market bubble. Look at the, this. is getting to be a bit, uh, bit frightening of what's mm. going on here. Yeah. And the, the, there are solutions to this. Yeah. And just before we get to those, though, I wanted to also add because apart from the forty billion dollar tax concessions that come with the super, so you know the wealthier people not having to pay that tax, so we're missing out on that forty billion. Frydenberg also said when this bill went through that Aussies pay over $30 billion every year in fees and charges for people to look after this speculative investment. And there's also a lot of other costs. In March 2020 alone, just that month, super funds had to pony up $17 billion on margin calls to their counterparties because they have to engage in derivatives to hedge foreign exchange risks in all the money that's flowing overseas to, of superannuation to be invested overseas. And you have big foreign players like Vanguard that are basically taking over our superannuation industry with their lucrative index funds um, that are all run by computer algorithms and exchange traded funds and so forth, siphoning off this super overseas, which we've talked about on the show before, the show before and, uh, and in the alert service in an article about this super hustle. And it's an understatement of the year to say that these kind of big financial agencies like Vanguard and BlackRock are salivating over Australian super. I mean, they see that this is the most lucrative deal to sucker into this bubble. Mm. Um, but Craig, Jeff Rennick is dead right when he says we should, instead of having this discussion, we should be discussing an infrastructure bank because that's literally the only way that we can actually grow the economy in order to look after people when they retire. It's very interesting. He's a champion for the idea of an infrastructure bank and you know, we're working with him from the point of view of our long-term proposal for a national bank, at least, and of course the Australia Post Bank. Look, you've got $3 trillion, as Senator Rennick said, in the uh, super. in the super, right? Our bank is capitalised by debentures, which means there's an enormous amount of money that's going to flow in to capitalise a national bank or an infrastructure bank. That money then can be used to to lend out to build high quality infrastructure. Things like the Bradfield scheme, bring water from the north, bring it south, and we're going to be saying more about this in a new video very shortly on, on the whole uh, Bradfield scheme. You could you, you can rebuild the high-speed rail system, or actually build a high-speed yeah, rail system. We don't have time. one, uh, and 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 build effective infrastructure that can support the population, and that would create 
lots and lots of high paying jobs for our country and also what's more important a sense of optimism for the future mm -hmm. because all this parasitical uh, you know, um, financial parasitical speculation tends to, to drive people downwards into having to worry about their money. How do I survive in my old age? And you only see as again the treatment of the Morrison government towards the aged care sector mm. where the aged care sector has become a cash cow again for the financial speculators, the hedge funds and so forth that this, this has to stop and the only way that you do this is go back to policies that we call a common good or the general welfare which means national banking funding credit uh, providing credit into the economy to support people uh, into the future and their families. Yeah, so that's the show for today. Make sure you do contact us if you haven't already. We will send you a complimentary copy of our alert service because all this material is backed up, all the details are there. Um, now, don't forget also to like this video, subscribe, hit the notification bell and share it with others to get the word out and engage in our campaign to get our latest resolution to your Member of Parliament. We can um, make a further victory and have more to announce on the show in coming days and weeks. So thanks, Craig. Yeah, thanks, Lisa. Thanks for tuning in and see you again next week. Mm -hmm.